Welcome to the One Question Podcast, brought to you by Wabi Sabi Studios. I'm your host, Michelle Cox, and I love having unlikely conversations on uncomfortable topics. It's a huge passion of mine, so much so that I wrote a few books a while back that challenge people's notion on living a life more unconventionally. This entire podcast stems around one question. If there was one topic you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? When you're focused on achievement and you're trying to do everything, you're ticking all the boxes, like your relationship can perhaps fall by the wayside. Motherhood is all-consuming as it is, let alone adding a demanding corporate career. My guest today is a powerhouse of a human, an absolute ball of the brightest energy and a sheer delight to be around. Victoria Gibson is a coach to life coaches. She helps life coaches harness their own potential and create profitable careers doing the work they love. She's such an powerful advocate for others, so much so that her mantra is, I want you to borrow my belief in you while you build your own. Victoria has an interesting story. After finding that being a stay-at-home mum wasn't for her, she left her marriage and her job to pursue a completely new life. After holding down various marketing and management roles in Australia's leading property companies, then jumping out for a brief stint as a stay-at-home mum, she found herself disillusioned after her return to corporate as a single mother. Longing for an alternative and more flexible path, she found the power of social media marketing enabled her to create her own coaching business, and in the past decade, she has never looked back. Victoria, I am so excited to sit down with you today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's so good to see you again. Love it. Oh, I know. It's been a while since we were in the uh, beautiful hinterland of Byron, enjoying such a wonderful stay. Uh, when was that? Earlier in the year, wasn't it? February. Yeah. Oh, so I know goodness, time so just good. goes like that, doesn't it? It's crazy. And since that then, so weird. much has happened. Yeah, it's great. So, no, I was really looking forward to uh, chatting with you today. So you are a wealth of wisdom on so many things. So I'm intrigued about the topic you'd love to talk about. If there's one thing you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? It would have to be that single mothers can be success-minded. It's the question of can you be successful as a single mother or do you have to sacrifice yourself once you move to that identity? I'd like people to acknowledge the opportunity but also the challenges that come with that and how we can provide for more opportunity around that also. Oh, such a great topic. And I remember you and I having a conversation after a yoga session one morning and we were talking about your journey and how you'd come from a big kind of corporate background and then found that the environment when you went back to work wasn't conducive to being a single mum. So talk to me about why you're so passionate about this and what are the areas that you think people can change in either from a corporate sense, from bosses, but also from a personal sense? You know, what did you have to change and do to kind of accommodate your life, I guess, in this way? Yeah. And look, I think it's not a struggle that is just born by single mothers. It's working mothers in general. We know the limitations, the issues with childcare and access that make it very difficult for women to go back to work. Now, I'm a privileged white woman, right? Yes, I grew up with a single mother too. So I have grown up in a single mother household and I have been a single mother for like 
you know, I don't know how many years now, like 13, 14 years or something. So my kids were quite small, three and four, when I separated from my ex-husband, which was my choice too. And I think, you know, a lot of women who are success-minded do find themselves as a single mother, right? Yes, it can be circumstances and there's a lot of things throughout different levels of society that 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 happens and nobody's immune to that but I think when you're focused on achievement and you're trying to do everything you're ticking all the boxes like your relationship can perhaps fall by the wayside motherhood is all consuming as it is let alone adding a demanding corporate career so as a gen xer you know i've always thought right i'll go to university and then get a great corporate job and then work my way up the ladder and all of those kind of things and then okay well we'll get married and then we'll have kids and tick 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 right then you're sort of running around going actually this isn't what i thought and i i'm now a certified life coach so i have way more idea of how to manage my own mind and i definitely share that with my own daughters they're 17 and 19 now sometimes they listen and sometimes they do not but What I noticed when I took time out to have my kids and I decided, I was like, excellent, I'm going to have time off. This is going to be so cool. I do not have to go to work. It's so fun. And look, you know, there was some beautiful moments in it. But three years later, I was like, oh, my goodness, no, I really don't want to just be doing this either. I want to go back. And I had left um, after my first round of maternity leave. And I had two kids quite close together. So in hindsight, I probably should have just jumped back in, but I didn't. But anyway, I wanted to get back in and I was having conversations with my old employers and they were saying things like, well, we would probably have to teach you how to use email again. And I'm thinking, I had a baby. Like I didn't lose my brain. I like that. This is before I was a single mom. This is just the challenges of being a mother and coming back in. I had to come back down to roles because I'd been out two years. Like the job, the industry and the job hadn't changed that much. Like it was just really interesting. Can we just pull on that thread actually, Vic? Like that's a really interesting point. And I've heard that from a number of mates, that expectation, as you say, you've had, you said a baby, you didn't have a lobotomy. And Mm. so why is it, do you think that, you know, employers, why is it that they think that mothers, is it, you know, that they're putting more focus on their kids or that, you know, now that the job is not as important that, you know, the family is. So then they, it's almost like you're penalised. What's your view of that? I think it's just sexism, to be honest. Like we're not out of the woods. I mean, this was a good, I don't know, 17 years ago, I guess. Yeah, but I don't think it's changing. No. And I think there's still that perception that you're going to be distracted and that you, and you have to, like your kid's sick and you've got to go pick them up from school. Or one of my girlfriends has a very high up demanding, some of them got younger children and, you know, they're going to have two nannies to make it work. And it's just like, wow, that that's full on. You've got to travel interstate for work, like all those things. And it doesn't mean kids can't get by with that. I'm not coming from that angle because kids are resilient, right? Like, but what I think it happens is you're pulled everywhere. You've not only got the load of the work challenges and what you want to do with your career, you've also got what's happening at home. You've also got, you know, the list of chores, what you have to do for school or the newsletter comes or like, and you're like, oh God, I forgot that day. I mean, my daughter was still saying to me yesterday, I've told you so many times I do not like that whatever I cook. I don't cook for her very often, by the way, but I cook. I said, I just forgot. Like, do you know how many things are in this brain? It's just a safer bet to go with a man because it's assumed that he's not going to be carrying a lot of that load. 
when you don't have family support and you still want to work and you still want to have that career, like how do you juggle it all and how do you make it all make sense? And when I went back in, I was married, right? So I already still have, and we got a nanny and that was fine. You're lucky enough to be able to afford to have a nanny, right? I mean, a lot of people can't. So that's the other thing. And I was on a relatively good salary, but what if you're not like, this is what I mean, the enormous privilege. And and here I am, I'm like, oh, poor white woman got a problem. Like, I don't want to come from that angle at all because that's not what I'm here to, you know, say those challenges were immense. But what I want to highlight is that either just having a child and deciding you still want to have a career or being a single mother should not have the stigma of, oh, well, you're broken or you should have some shame around that or that, you're going to be broke and you've got no other opportunities, all of those things. You're still the woman that you always have regardless of your relationship status. One of the things I want to say, though, is to your point about, you know, a a man is a safer bet, like through that, my experience, and especially with working mums that came back part-time, is actually the specific jobs that I could get them to do or when they came back, if, you know, if they if their role was full-time and we couldn't do a part-time role, we'd, we'd do something else and we'd work together with them. But often I found that they were the best at what they did because they had didn't have a lot of time and they could multitask and they were like in, out, get the shit done, no long lunch, whatever, because they were like, right, I've got to get my jobs done. So that was, you know, my experience with lots of working mums and single mums that had to juggle multiple things. They were super good at that. But the other thing I wanted to say was, you know, the judgment factor. So here you are, you know, you've got the kids and you're going back to work and the judgment that then is on. And again, some of my mates, you know, they get to a place where they're like, there's no support from their husband. You know, the expectation is for them to go back to work full time, do the job that they did before, as well as the full time mum at home, as well as like the, you know, the housekeeper, you know, the husband's job has not changed at all, even though now they've got two or three kids. And they feel like I'm failing at everything. And so the judgment element of, you know, never being at the school to pick the kids up or whatever, like that still goes on today. And so I'm curious about your view of that, like of how society and how we need to get better in that space, but also how you would advise, you know, women to deal with that crap. It is going to just be hard, right? Like we're always looking for solutions of what could be done differently? And look, I genuinely think that people in general want to do the right thing. You can't just visit planet mummy, right? Like you have to live on it to understand it. And and it's just a lack of understanding and appreciation for a lot of that juggle. And there are also women who are like, well, we don't want to talk about that because then it's like, it highlights it. And look, we just make things happen. Or there's other women who perhaps I saw on um, uh, another business owner, friend of mine, who's um, who was unfortunately widowed, and she's got three small kids, and she lives just a couple of suburbs over from me. So I see her sometimes, and you know, she was. I saw her on her Facebook saying, "Oh, someone put a comment saying, how dare you say you're a solo parent? Because I'm just as much a solo parent, even when I'm married." Like, was kind of aggro at her about it, which I thought was like, "Hang on a minute, this woman has has no husband," but. I think there are a lot of women who feel like they're solo parenting regardless as well. And the comment I'd say to that is, you know, she doesn't have a choice if she's been widowed, but you have a choice to put up with that situation if your husband's not lifting the game. And that's part of the issue. It's a partnership in all sense of the term, not just, you know, we're married, husband, wife, and then, you know, you do 80% of the jobs and they do 20%. It's everything is halved. And every time he takes advantage and tries to kind of, you know, slip things through, <laughs> say stuff, I'm like, no, nah, I'm not doing that shit for you. <laughs> I say that to, again, my girlfriend's like, yeah, but it's just exhausting. I can't be bothered. I'm like, 
Yeah, but that's kind of where then it's like kids. Men are like kids. Yeah, it's you get away with it and they mm-hmm. you know push and push and then they leave their shit everywhere and you're happy to pick it up. Then they that's the rule. They go, okay, she's just going to pick it up, so I'll just keep leaving my shit everywhere. Exactly. And that's the thing. You have to look at, well, what can I control and what can I take responsibility for? And I think that that's what's important. Knowing that half the time it is going to be a shit show. Like that. that's life, right, when, in any aspect as well. It doesn't mean that you should just have to put up with things that are grossly unfair or unjust or anything like that. But most times there's going to be things that we don't like. So it's how can you navigate that? And I think that back then I probably wanted to look at those um, things happening as happening to me that I couldn't control and that still made me kind of dissatisfied and unhappy and look to other things. But I was still like, all right, well, what could, what could I do? What could I do about it and, you know, end my marriage? And then I'm like, right, now I'm going to start a business. I'd never started a business before. And I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? I don't know. I'll just like figure it out as I go along, right? And then see this opportunity of the freedom just to be able to do things on your own terms and do the work that you love, that there is opportunity for that in myriad of ways and now more than ever it seems like more and more women are seeing that post-covid too obviously having gone oh well you know what I can do my job from home not that everyone was loving that but all of those things are changing the way that we work and the way that people want to work and you know the great resignation coming is probably a result of women just being absolutely exhausted there's men too who are going to be leaving their their roles absolutely but I think women just reach a point of fatigue in their 30s in general, whether they have children or not, whether they're married or not. It is an absolute place of complete burnout. You're trying to keep your fitness up or you go to yoga, you go to the gym, (laughs) you want to have a social life, you want a career to move forward. And that's what I was um, alluding to before. I think in your 20s, you know, you're used to just things going up like that. And then you get to your 30s and starting to know more critically assess things a little bit more, maybe get a little bit more jaded with the way things are and that can keep you back as well, right? Like it's not always what everyone else is doing. It's like somehow we're in that I'm tired. It's hard to get inspired. I've been doing this for a long time. Is this all there is? It's that reliance on external things that can keep you in that space, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So for someone listening that is frustrated, you know, they're either a you know, a mother that is working at home and and either they're single or they're not single. I mean, would you have some different advice for either of those to navigate this space? And so if someone is working, you know, they're they're employed by someone else, like how, how would they tackle this if they're overwhelmed, you know, feeling like that they're not doing anything well? Like how, how would you advise them to sort of tackle this particular space? Yeah, I think it is not surrendering to what you believe is fact, right? Because if you actually drill down a bit like where you were just like questioning that woman and that's actually what my friend said too. She's like, well, you're in charge of what your husband does or doesn't do. Well, not in charge. We can't control anyone. But you're hanging on to that control or believing that someone should act a certain way causes so much grief and frustration. And and then you start embodying that dissatisfaction, right? And it comes out everywhere. Whereas as a matter of fact, you could go, do you know what? Like I did when I was a single mother, I could drop them at school and then I would go pick them up from after school care at like six for 15 or something. And you know, would I feel guilty about that? Yeah. They were like little kids and 
but do you know what? They're okay, right? Like, so I could not have to bury extra stuff on top of my already overwhelmed brain and beat myself up and just go, do you know what? They're being cared for. I'm privileged enough to be able to pay for that. I grew up a bit like that. And, you know, when we say now, it's like, what is the factor there, me not having had my own kids in that regard? So I, I want to dig a bit there. You know, you just said that. So I guess you drop them at school, what, 8.30 in the morning, you pick them up at 6. And people have a view of that saying, oh, that's, you know, like you're a terrible mother or whatever, especially a single mom that's trying to navigate anything. Well, I had both my parents, but both my parents had two jobs each just to survive because we had no money. They had four kids to feed us. That was what they had to do. So, you know, in those days, we didn't go to after school care. We just came home like at 10 and just fended for ourselves until my parents came home and I learned how to cook and I would make bath my little brother and sister. And, you know, I grew up pretty fast because I had to. And that was accepted then because you couldn't afford anything else and that was life, right? Whereas now there's all this other bullshit pressure on a mother who's actually just trying to survive as well. And then like all these other kind of society stuff. So is it just as simple as saying, you know what, don't listen to anyone else, live life as you need to live it and stuff everyone else and don't look at the social media bullshit of the perfect life and the perfect mother? Is it all just a a load of bullshit? We have to just create our own identity and we'll choose that anyway. Mostly as strong-willed, driven women, we will do that regardless, right? But it doesn't mean you need to beat yourself up more. Like you can notice why that might trigger you because on some level, like I guess when I was driving there, I did feel a bit bad that I had left a marriage where my ex-husband was like, no, I don't want you to work and why don't you just stay at home? And I thought that was what, that would just be a daydream fantasy. But it was not. It was just sheer like hell most days. But we don't want to fail and we don't want to lose control. So if we acquiesced control, like, Maybe you don't clean the bathroom this weekend or maybe the cleaner. It, it, I mean, I love a cleaner because I just hate cleaning so much, but that's obviously privileged and a luxury and I'm not paying for childcare anymore, which is this one crazy expense. So, you know, those sort of things you'd be like, oh, well, you might feel guilty about paying for a cleaner. But if it is important that something looks clean, well, what could you sacrifice or what could you do to have a cleaner? Or, you know, why are you going to get so bothered by some of those little things? Do they really matter? And why should someone do things the way you want them to, too, even in a relationship. I know that, I mean, we went to therapy for two years and, I mean, we'd spend sessions on how much I packed in a bag when we travelled, that it was too much. Like, really? I mean, don't worry. I did my share of things that got up his nose and I'm not perfect. That's so funny. As I go on holidays, literally as we recall this, I'm flying out tomorrow and my husband has been carrying on about that going, why are you taking all that stuff? I'm like, because I want to. And he goes, well, I'm just taking, I'm travelling the lightest ever. And I'm like, good on you. Do you want a medal? Like it doesn't matter. I'm going to carry my own suitcase. Like it doesn't matter. What is, and it's just like calling that out, right? Like you do you. (laughs) Exactly. And I get that it might annoy you, but like I was the same. I wasn't like just waltzing ahead and him having to pick it all up. I was going to carry it. And don't worry, I'll beat myself up enough for both of us because it would do my head in at the airport like as soon as I get there. I do it every single time. But it's like, do you really need to worry about that? Like if you just go that extra layer, does this matter? Why do I care? So what? Even asking yourself a question, so what? Like I didn't bake the orange cake for the cake stall for the school. So what? I just bought one. (laughs) So what? I don't like going to kids' birthday parties. So what? Like, I don't want to go. And my kids will be like, can't I have a party this year? No, I do not want small children in my house. Thanks. 
No. Yeah, I think Thanks. it comes we- down to, you know, we were saying before about like the stuff that you, yeah, there's some things you've got to work out in a marriage, like what is worth fighting over and whatnot. And a lot of mates, again, just we've had multiple conversations about this, they give in to a lot of the stuff where they end up, you know, cleaning up after the husband, doing all the cooking, doing all the shit around the house and everything to do with the kids because it's just too hard. Whereas to me, that is the stuff you need to fight for because it's it actually comes down to a position of like an absolute moral element about respect. And it's like where you feel that your life is more important than mine or your job is more important or your career is more important that I have to, you know, forgo all my kind of, you know, wants and needs and desires for the family, for the house, and you can do whatever you want. And so that's where like it gets down to that core element for me versus, you know, a okay, I'm just picking up your towels and all your washing off the floor again and I'll just do it 200 times. So it's a respect element. And so I always bring it back to that in a conversation to, you know, with my husband or with my stepchildren and all that over the years is saying, this is not cool. It's not my job to clean up after you. I'm not your cleaner or your slave. So don't do it again. And so coming from that element rather than, oh, yes, I'm the housewife or I'm the mom or whatever. So I think having those kind of conversations and raise, like elevating it rather than, as you say, like the point about pick your battles on things, but there are elements if you let it go that compounds over years, you're never going to be able to turn that around. It's very bloody hard. It's another level of energetic exhaustion that lays on top of you. So I think that it is just asking, well, so what, they didn't do it that way or so what, this can't be done or my way a lot of it comes down to the control you have or the fear that you'll be left that he won't be there anymore or that somehow you're not lovable or like you looking into those deeper kind of people pleasing ways and I'm you know a people pleaser from way back despite the fact that I'm bossy and opinionated my deep fear is oh shit what would they think of me or you know what would happen so I think in a lot of marriages women we have that innate need for feeling secure. It doesn't mean we can't create that ourselves, but when we're in a relationship, it's very easy to just start believing that you need to do those things or you just get in the habit of it and then you want to bitch and moan about it and and you're just like, it's not fun. And you also don't have to go crazy at him. I agree. Setting just boundaries. It's like, okay, this is what's going to happen. And then if you don't do that, here's the consequence, right? And then you're following through with that of like, well, I'm not going to pick it up and you're going to sit there and that room is going to be full of wet towels uh, in two weeks. It's our ability to tolerate things that when, when we're not in control that makes those situations so much worse. And I think embracing the fact that you have power in any of those situations, it doesn't mean it's easy, but trying to sort of lay out a list of like ways that people should behave for you is just not like, you know, they haven't read those instructions, right? They're in your head and then you're upset with them because of those instructions that they didn't follow. But that also that's know. your view of the world, right? That's that's the way you see things and other people see it differently. So I want to finish up with, you know, the whole premise is around single mothers can be success-minded and, the, you know, you are very successful in business, in life and everything you do. So as a single mum, what are a couple of hacks that you kind of learnt along the way that either you wish you knew at the start or that you would love for someone to go actually do this or think about that or here's a couple of things that I found that were really helpful for me through that journey. You don't have to do everything for your kids and your kids are quite self-sufficient. So there's a lot of more of that holding your kids in 
tightly in this generation. And even I noticed when my kids were starting school, it was at that time where people wanted to hold their kids back and then start them when they're six. Like, what are you trying to do to working mothers with this? I love the new policies coming out now where they're like, we're going to give four-year-olds and an extra year of prep or whatever. I was like, that is just a true gift. And in Victoria here, um, they announced having free three-year-old kinder. That wasn't free. Like when I was doing, I was like, I want my kid to go to three-year-old kinder. No places, couldn't do it, right? Like those sorts of things are like such an opportunity. Not beating yourself up if you do need to send your kids to daycare or any of that stuff, you know. It's not always going to be fantastic. You've got to be able to say, I can't create a Pollyanna experience for my kids. My kids still bring up things like each week. Remember when you did this, mum? And what about you always used to go overseas? I'm like, I'm building a business, okay? But also I'm a better mum for it. They're proud of you because of your successful probably. Yeah, like, and there's opportunities that we have and claiming your desires and not caving into those expectations, but also just owning the fact that you do have those desires. Some may be able to be activated while your kids are small and some you may just need to wait and you might just need to wait through it. Victoria, it has been divine to chat to you. So lovely to see your beautiful face again. Thank you for uh, joining us today and giving people some insights on this topic. It's fabulous. All right. Brilliant. Take care. Well, there you have it. Wasn't that an incredible conversation? I hope you enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed bringing it to you. If you did like it, can I ask a small favour? Please rate and review on your listening platform for me. I know everyone asks this, but it seriously makes a difference to help get these conversations out in the world and makes all the hard work and effort I put into this for you all the more worthwhile. And until next time, if you have one question you'd like to ask me, hit me up on my socials or jump on my website michellejcox.com.